Welcome all listeners back to Pixels Inc. We've got myself as well as my co-host here, Dave. Hi, Dave. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Good. I haven't seen you for a few days. (laughs) Nice to see you. (laughs) You've been here, but so have I, virtually. Virtual. Um, So listeners, today we bring you the first part of a small series where we're talking about connecting outbound media channels with the web. So whether you're using direct mail or email, we're going to be talking about connecting them via pearls. Yeah, so personalized URLs are something that have been around for some time, right, Mackenzie? Mm-hmm. But there's still a lot of mystery in some cases, some doubt about personalized URLs, but also some remarkable case studies that we can bring to you to help you understand how to do exactly that. Connect uh, all sorts of media, for example, direct mail and other channels to the web through the use of a personalized URL. Yeah, and it's interesting because since this is something that's so near and dear to Dave in our hearts, we obviously work with our platform that allows you to create pearls. It's something that we hear all the time, but we're constantly reminded when prospects come to us, our customers come to us, they're multi-billion dollar companies sometimes that are doing spending millions of dollars on marketing and they're just starting to get the hang of it, right? Yeah, so, that's true. You know, some people are like, well, pearls, who, you know, either they say that's a thing of the past or they have no idea, but right. then right. we're constantly reminded. They're know, like just, on either end of the spectrum. Either they have <laughs> yeah. no idea or they say, uh, you know, that's that's something from 10 years ago or whatnot. So we should probably talk about first to get started here. Why are we bringing this topic? Why is this something that's important? Yeah. So um, I think that's a great place to start. And I think what it comes down to is the P in the pearl, which is the personalization. Okay. And so anytime we're doing any sort of marketing, especially nowadays, because people are so saturated with being bombarded in information and emails and direct mail pieces, you have to cut through that noise. Uh And so with the use of personalization, you're able to connect with people and, and you're getting them to be open and receptive to your messaging. Yeah. And specifically when you think about it being used on a direct mail piece Mm -hmm. and you think about the purpose of a direct mail piece, in most cases, it's to elicit a response, right? Mm -hmm. You want to get something back from the person who's getting that direct mail piece. And so a personalized URL helps you track and measure your, your marketing in a way that you can't do unless you're using that personalized URL. So maybe it's good for us to step back and first of all, define what a personalized URL is because we're assuming again, people know what that is, Mm -hmm. but we should probably define that. So a personalized URL, it stands for, um, or represents the concept of using a web address that includes the name of the recipient within the URL. So example, if I'm sending a piece to you and and I want you to respond to your direct mail piece, it might be mckenziefarshi.nike.com as Mm -hmm. an example, if Nike is trying to interact with you and get you to respond online. Yeah, and so not only are you able to track, but then you're able to personalize the web address or the page that people go to. That's right. Um, So like I said, you could either just use their name. You can also say, hey, a Whole Foods opened up within variable, you know, miles location, 2.3 miles. Well, maybe it's 2.3 miles from me, but it's 7.2 miles from Dave. And so on that microsite, by using a Pearl, you know who's going to that website. Mm -hmm. And you can use all of the data that you already have on them, whether it's something in your contact profile, you know, their name, their email address, things like that. But then you can also use stuff that you can find on the internet. Maybe that means um, their distance from a location or their history of buying and what the, you know, what types of things they purchase. You know, why, for example, me, I don't have any children. So why would they put a child on a direct mail piece to me when maybe Dave, he has a child on the way, so they should put one for him, you know? And so it's using that data to personalize. Right. So 
to be clear, these personalized URLs, when we're talking about them and their use in print, they're embedded within the direct mail piece, they're printed within the direct mail piece, and they're woven within the call to action typically. So if it's like respond to find out about the newest thing for kids in your example, it would be woven into that call to action. If it's an automotive campaign and you want to drive people to register for a test drive, mm -hmm. it would be woven within that call to Cars action. Cars again. Yeah, here Third we go episode again. In a row. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, it's a way to get people from the direct mail piece through your call to action to the web to take the next step in that process. And in doing so, you're connecting the offline world, mm -hmm. um, if it's print, to the online realm in a way that's measurable and trackable. Right, and then the same thing would happen with an email. So if, let's say you're sending an email, hi Dave, um, click the following link to sign up for your free, free test drive and be automatically entered to win $1,000. And so when Dave hits, you know, click here or whatever it is, it's going to bring him to daverosenthal.bmw2016.com uh, or something like that. And so in that same way, just as you're connecting the direct mail piece with the web, you're now connecting that email with the web as well. Yep. So why don't you tell people just really quick, since we do have a lot of printers, we have a lot of corporate marketers, we have a lot of um, agencies and service providers with us. Some people like to ask, okay, well, how do you even actually get that personalized URL on the printed piece? And that's just done with variable data. So um, you would have, you know, an Excel or a CSV file that would match Dave Rosenthal with his Perl. And then as printers print that, it just gets stamped on the, the printed mail piece or the email, whatever it is. Yep, that's right. So let's think about why pearls are used and why they're so effective. So if you think about the purpose of direct mail, like we said a moment ago, most direct mail pieces that we're talking about here are ones that have some sort of call to action mm -hmm. so that they can generate a, a lead, right? right? And usually on those pieces, you have a phone number or you have a URL or you have a business reply card, a BRC. Um, and, and so those are the ways that the marketer is giving that person to respond. And a personalized URL just becomes another mechanism for them to do that. Mm -hmm. So McKinsey, why is it advantageous then to use a personalized URL instead of just saying, hey, go to our corporate website and find our form and fill it out and respond? Right. So first of all, Dave hit the nail on the head earlier when he said to track it. So you want to be able to track and measure everything, yep. see who's actually clicking through, who used the direct mail piece, you know, who went through the email. Let's say Whole Foods is opening and they bought a list of email addresses they sent all the people within 10 miles radius, a direct mail piece, as well as an email. Well, direct mail obviously costs money. Email costs money too, but there's a difference in price. And if you know that Dave Rosenthal never responds to his direct mail piece, but he responds to email, maybe you need to only solicit him via email. So that's, that's one thing. Track, measure, talk to people. Also, it's all about making it an easy experience for people to, you know, answer this call to action, whether it's filling out a form or whatever it is, so you can utilize their data. Maybe you know their first name, last name, and email. Again, why are you going to make them fill out that information if you already know? So you're saying if you use the personalized URL, you can pre-populate the form that exactly. they see on the next page. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So instead of making you hunt around their website and look for that, that form or download whatever it is that they are offering you, it's right there in front of them. And as, as you know, Mackenzie, you have a small window of time in which you can engage these people, right? I think it's about five seconds yep. that most people say that you've got to engage these people who are looking at your direct mail piece and then consequently those that go to your website or mm -hmm. go to the landing page so that you can get them to that next step. You only have a few seconds to do that. So using the personalized URL, 
you can do that in a couple of ways. And the reason, one reason is because their name is embedded within the URL. So there's a bit of a curiosity factor. Oh, look, cool. My name's in the URL. Mm -hmm. I should go check that out. Exactly. And I remember back in the day in school, I read this book, Win Friends and Influence People. It's by Dale Carnegie. Did you read that? Is that why we're friends? <laughs> you use that on me? I used, I of solicited I you. It. Yeah. Um, but, but one of the principles that he talks about is how people love to hear their own name. Yeah. That's I right, Mackenzie. <laughs> that's right, Dave. See, you're smiling. He, yep. <laughs> he says it's, I think, one of the most sweet things that yep. people can hear. Uh -huh. And then I thought, you know, okay, what does the data say? And so when we actually look at the data, they did some um, examination of brain activations and only a few things light up your brain quite like seeing people's name printed or on a screen what are those other things uh, you know i'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> I'm i not can sure. think of one but i'm not sure if that's what you're referring to yeah i am not sure i actually and interestingly enough as i was going back to research this i looked up key terms of things that make people really happy okay. in marketing one of them was hearing their name another one of course was free um, okay. another one was also um right now Okay. Um, so, you know, just, just a few things. But basically, bottom line is people love to see their own name. They love to feel like they're being connected with. And so within that five-second window that you have, or less than five-second window probably now, um, that you have to connect with them and get their attention and maybe buy a few more extra seconds, uh, using their great name is a great tactic to first, you know, hook them in. Yep, that's right. So there is an aspect of this that's uh, curiosity-driven. Mm -hmm. There's a bit of flattery, we're saying as well, in the fact that they see a URL. Uh, with their with their name in it but the data also support that you get a lift in response you get yep. additional response that you might not otherwise get and i know there's a, a lot of data out there Tons. dma podi and others what have you found that supports that premise yeah so if you look at a bunch of studies podi or dma like dave said if you you know look across all of them and get basically the gist of the idea the, the summary of it if you are sending personalized marketing versus static marketing, so that means personalization of the outbound marketing versus just a general, hey, or you know, just non-personalized at all, you're gonna get about four times better response rate, which is pretty remarkable. I mean, if you are spending the time and resources to do outbound marketing in the first place, you obviously want people to respond. Right. And if you know something's gonna give you about a 4% higher lift in your response rates, I mean, it, it seems like a no-brainer to me. Yeah, so if you think about the type of people who are opening direct mail, or just people in general, some people who get that direct mail piece are going to prefer to send something through the mail, right? Mm -hmm. Some people are going to prefer to pick up the phone and respond. And then there's this growing group that prefers to go online. Mm -hmm. uh, millennials, I know that there's data that support that they like to do most of their interaction that way and only a bit of it on the phone with the company. So if you're not giving folks a way to respond online, you're missing out potentially on a big part of the response that you might otherwise capture. Yep, absolutely. And that's and that's the whole thing. Even me sometimes, I'm a little bit more old school. I like to read um, actual magazines, paper magazines. I have my calendar. I know it's an actual <laughs> um, day planner that I use. It's written. But even me, sometimes I'll get things in the mail and I'm like, ooh, that's a really good offer. I want to follow up on it. But because of my daily life, because I leave the mailbox, even if I bring that direct mail piece, I remember I got one. Oh my gosh, you're going to laugh at me. It, ac it actually has to do with shoes. Yeah, that's I knew embarrassing. It, of course. Um, but I <laughs> actually i got one it was from dsw so i got something in the mail it was, a, it was an incredible coupon it was like 50 dollars off a yeah. purchase of 80 dollars or more i mean that's like i'm only having to pay 30 dollars, right. you know and right. so i remember thinking yeah i really want to do it but then i lost that direct that printed piece and if i could have just scanned it or went to a pearl and saved it in my notes section or bookmarked it in my history i would have been able to redeem it but i wasn't able to yep. so yep. not only does it give you the opportunity to connect with people but also to capture like you said the millennials the people who are so connected with their their devices and you know i said that and then in the moment i said that i thought shoot maybe i shouldn't have said that because 
you know, when you look at your data, first of all, everything that we're saying you should test and you should look at it for 100%. yourself, right? Because mm -hmm. what we say doesn't work in one industry may work perfectly well for you. Mm -hmm. But with respect to who's responding online, we've done campaigns where folks are targeting high net worth individuals that are 65 or older. Mm -hmm. And the personalized URL is one of the prominent uh, response mechanisms on the mail piece. Yep. And one might think, hmm, I don't know if grandma is necessarily going to respond online, right? right. No offense to anybody who's 65 or older. I don't mean everyone's you know, grandma or grandpa if you're that age, but, but you know you're what I'm saying. You're almost that age. I know, I'm almost there, right? In another 70 years. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, so, people that are used to the traditional method of actually responding to printed mail pieces. Yeah, but when we when we looked at the data for, for one in particular that I'm thinking of, that was the group that actually had a, a great response rate online. Mm -hmm. And it, it surprises you sometimes when you find out who actually engages with your direct mail and who's actually more comfortable going online Sometimes it's uh, you know a group that you didn't think would be necessarily that engaged online. So you really got to test all this stuff. Yeah, you definitely have to test it. And it also has to do with um, who you're targeting, but also what you're targeting them for. And I think this is maybe a great segue to start talking about the different industries that benefit or that typically use Pearl's personalized URLs again to um, elicit a response. our customer base and ourselves I mean we use personalized URLs all the time so we are a b2b company and we've noticed that when we use people's personalization and we use pearls and we get a you know much better response rate um, one campaign that actually just came to mind is when we were doing a trade show uh, I think it was in Chicago and we got all the companies within 50 miles radius Do you sure. remember uh -huh. interestingly enough this is a little bit more interesting because you have to again test things so we were talking about going to a trade show and we had free passes and so we wanted to invite the you know the best prospects that were within I think it was 50 miles yeah, I think so um, and we in the in the outbound marketing that we used we said you're only X amount of miles from this place actually at first I thought of an idea saying well you're only 20 minutes away and then someone so smartly reminded me it's Chicago yeah. and the traffic <laughs> is going to be a lot longer so you yeah. probably want to use miles instead of time but you know that's that's the type of way that we used it just to do some outbound marketing to get yeah. people to come to the, the free banquet and trade show that we had tickets to so definitely b2b or b2c mm -hmm. some of the verticals that we see a lot of activity in I'm just going to list them and we can talk a little bit more about them mm -hmm. higher ed is one huge um, automotive is another right financial services um, we see a lot of activity in those verticals nonprofits it, yeah nonprofits there's there's just a whole boatload of different um, use cases and ways that you can use a personalized URL with print or with email as you mentioned so in higher ed when we talk about higher ed what are some of the things that, that we see there yeah so uh, a study done by Carlson and Co shows a huge lift with personalization I mean the higher ed market, even just education, I noticed in general, not necessarily just higher ed, but education in general, they um, see about 3% response for static and then about 13% response when things are personalized. And so that's, I mean, that's huge. Why don't you tell a few of the different use cases? I know there's obviously enrollment, but there's others that are using it too. So why don't you tell yeah, us Yeah, so that? we see student search, we see um, acquisition campaigns, we see enrollment campaigns, alumni and fundraising campaigns, mm -hmm. all of those in the higher ed. Uh, realm and some of these campaigns um, specifically in search and student acquisition and enrollment these are campaigns that span uh, years in some cases the, these individuals these kids are being targeted um, you know I think sophomore junior year of high school mm -hmm. all the way through um, the time when they start to enroll and apply so these campaigns are in many cases driven by print 
and supported by email and other electronic channels. So I think on our website, we've got a number of examples. We could probably link some of those up in the show notes. Yep, we have a bunch. We have one where people were able to raise $6 million with one multi-channel campaign. That's yep. incredible. And then if you remember back to, I think it was episode four, I'm pretty yep, sure. that's right. Uh, Mike Westner from Enrollment Fuel, he talks, all his whole business model is basically about enrollment and how he helps schools connect with people. And he uses personalized URLs and personalized marketing communication. So if you didn't hear episode four and you're interested in the higher ed or education vertical um, segment make sure to go back it's number four again Mike Westner he's great and his contact details are there too you can always reach out and ask him another example I know that we see a lot of is automotive oh yeah definitely so automotive has been something that we've seen a lot of going back maybe uh, 10 years or more Mm -hmm. Um, you know these campaigns are typically campaigns that are driving people into the dealership they're trying to get people into the dealership and so these personalized URLs are often used as a hook or as a mechanism to interact with that individual to get them to enter to win something or to get them to schedule a test drive Mm -hmm. to to drive them to that next step and um, get them into the dealership so again there I believe we also have some examples that we can point folks to yeah another uh, something that just sparked my interest right here when we're talking about automotive and test drive we actually on our blog which we'll link up to we have a study with uh, that BMW mini did they did miniopoly kind of a play on monopoly um, to do personalized campaigns uh, to buy new minis but um, something that I thought about that we haven't yet mentioned is the fact that not only are you making a connection with people in your outbound marketing but then you're also closing the loop with salespeople. so when you do have these campaigns let's say you send someone a direct mail piece or an email they go to their pearl they fill out this information win a thousand dollars if you come in for a test drive they hit submit well at that exact moment, you can have an email or a text message or something fired out to that salesperson saying, hey, Dave Rosenthal just visited his website. He said he yep. has this car, he likes this color, and he wants to schedule a test drive. Yep. Well, because Huge. of that pearl, because you're able to track, that salesperson is gonna pick up the phone within a minute, hopefully, and call that person and schedule that test drive. Yep. And studies show if you are able to connect with people within that first few minutes, you're 100 times more likely to connect, right? Yep. And yep. so not only is it good to personalize the outbound marketing and, and close that loop but also closing the loop with the salespeople. yeah one of the keys there that may not be obvious to people mm-hmm. is that if you have a direct mail piece and you're directing somebody to a URL mm-hmm. and somebody just types in that URL but doesn't actually hit the you know submit button on the lead form or whatever because you're using a personalized URL to the folks that didn't hit that button you can still trigger a lead alert for somebody on your sales team to follow up with them or some sort of personalized communication back to that respondent himself or herself interesting so you're saying let's say i send you a direct mail piece or i send you an email and you click on it but you don't actually do anything so you just hit the page that we have the ability to know who it is and and also trigger an email or some sort of communication with the salesperson yeah some of our most successful customers actually in the financial services space um i'm thinking of a few examples uh, leverage that highly so not only do they follow up with the people that submit the landing page obviously those people get followed up on mm-hmm. but they have as much or more focus sometimes on the hand raisers the people that just uh, took the time to visit the landing page but didn't go any further because sometimes they get interrupted something happens who knows something the comes baby's up crying. the baby's crying we had something. a baby crying in one of our episodes yeah, I don't, remember <laughs> I don't know where was, it came from <laughs> it was uh, a mysterious baby but yeah so sometimes people do that and um, if you're a sales-driven, marketing-driven company, all of those leads that are coming to you, that's gold right there. Mm-hmm. With a personalized URL, instead of just seeing a spike in your web activity you know, without knowing who those people are, you actually know who those individuals are now, mm-hmm. and you can get on the phone or send them an email to follow up with them. And can you automate that 
follow-up trigger even absolutely. if they haven't submitted. Yep. That's absolutely. really cool. Yeah, yep. I remember this is goes back years ago, but it sparked my memory. G- Tony Frega from Direct Development. He did mm-hmm. a webinar that was co-hosted with Joe Manos. And I remember I can actually see the visual of the slide in my head, but he had basically this slide that talked about all the people that you're targeting. So the people mm-hmm. who raise their hand and say, I want it now. Sure. The people who just hit the page, the people who just opened the email. And typically we think of follow-up, like you want to follow up that, that skim the top. You want to talk to the people that say, hey, I want it now. I'm right. ready to buy it. Right. You know, call me. Um, but there's so much uncaptured revenue that you're missing out on if you aren't, you know, following up with the people that aren't saying, hey, pick me. Yep. Maybe I can look back at one of our webinars. I'll have to do a little bit of digging. But if I can find that visual, that'd be cool. Because yeah, I remember we'll it was, that, it was a cool visual that I, that yep. I've always, that's always stuck with me in my head. Definitely. So. So yeah, that's higher ed. That's a little bit about automotive. We talked about financial services a bit. I think we also have a case study for First National Bank that Mm -hmm. we can share with people. Um, A lot of activity um, in all of those verticals and more, uh, a whole host of other verticals. So Mackenzie, let's talk about the details of how you put this together. But first, maybe let's take a step back again Mm -hmm. and and kind of give folks the bigger picture around how we actually got involved with Pearls. Because it may help you think about how you can approach this opportunity yourself. So one of the interesting things for us is that it was more or less luck or chance that we fell into this. Mm. And this goes back almost 15 years at this point, believe it or not. Uh, we were doing work with an agency here locally, and we're working with that agency to help them uh, improve the effectiveness of the direct mail that they were doing for one of their customers. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea there was centered around the personalized URL, which seems deceptively simple. If mm-hmm. you just think of it as, oh, it's just a personalized URL, what more is there uh, than that? But when you think about what that leads to, it leads to a, a microsite or a landing page, and how you can personalize that and make that content dynamic. And then you think about the reporting and the analytics on the back end, and then you talk about all the automation and everything it becomes a, a pretty significant amount of work. And so what we found is that as we would develop these solutions from the ground up, they were custom every time we built them, mm-hmm. that after like, let's say the sixth or the seventh time we did that for different customers, we started to see that there was, oh my gosh, there's a pattern here. And so when we saw that pattern, that's kind of when we said, well, maybe there's an opportunity to create some sort of software to help marketers, to help companies build these types of campaigns without having to uh, create these big old thick spec documents and do all of this work to achieve these results. If we could bring the cost down, then the return on uh, the investment for these types of campaigns would go up. That was the theory. And so working with um, a number of our customers and this agency that I mentioned to you, we came up with um, software to do that. It's actually called Look Who's Clicking. You mm-hmm. were used that word a second ago when you were saying, you know, you can see who's clicking mm-hmm. on these direct mail pieces, so to speak. And so after developing that, we took it to a local printer here Uh, Actually, we cold called into the company and uh, the CEO at the time was forward thinking and was able to see, hey, there's a huge opportunity here. And that's actually how we got started. It was solely focused on automotive. They were all automotive campaigns. I have a question. Were were the printers that you went to actually, did they have variable data software? Is that kind of why you, like, why did you choose a printer? Is that that why? Luck. Hmm. So listeners, if you don't know, Dave is a co-founder of our company, Mindfire here. And so he's giving this backstory of how we got started into personalized URLs. Good thing you did because I have a job now. I'm yeah. really happy. So. <laughs> a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people do. Yep. So. so yeah, I wish I could say it was like some genius inspiration or something. But really, it was more opportunistic um, sensing of, op- uh, uh, of the things that could happen, the things that could be. 
especially with respect to where the web was at that point. So, you know, it was still relatively new mm -hmm. and, you know, Facebook wasn't even around. Right. So looking ahead, uh, now it's obvious, then it wasn't necessarily so obvious, but looking from that vantage point forward, we kind of thought that this is the way the world would go and that there would just be more and more of a need for kind of marrying the two. So that's what led to us kind of developing the software to help folks do that. And so in the beginning when people started to actually buy the software and be interested and license it, mm -hmm. what was the number one vertical? Was it really specifically focused or was it kind of starting to branch out into all different verticals that were using it? You know, how was that? Yeah, so we, we partnered really closely with this local print company uh -huh. and we kind of did a joint venture with them to go out and sell it not only to their customers mm -hmm. but to also go out after other print companies. Hmm. And so we kind of had a, a dual focus. One, developing these campaigns for the dealerships because they had a big automotive focus. It was like maybe 99% of their business, 95% wow. of their business. Okay. And so we went after those companies aggressively. And then we also sold to other printers. And so some of our early customers came out of that, that outreach. We would do direct mail. You did cold calling. We did trade shows um, and things like that to get into um, other printers. And again, it wasn't really a strategically thought out um, decision. It was more of, you know, taking the opportunity to exploit what was coming our way and see where we could this go with Dave it. This is Dave being humble. No, I'm being serious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being serious, yeah. As I look now at our customer base, or people in general, not even our customers that are mm -hmm. using Pearls, there's two main um, areas that I see. Number one is, you know, corporate marketers using it in B2B sure. and B2C, yep. but then I also see service providers, so yep. agencies, marketing companies, printers using it yep. on their own company as a corporate marketer, B2B, B2C, but then also to resell these services and add value to the campaigns and programs that they were already running. Right. And yep. so back when you started, when you, when you partnered up with this printer, obviously they were going, as you say, after their autom automotive. So helping to increase the value, increase response rates, get these automotive dealerships a better lift in their marketing, oh, yeah. higher return on their investment. Yep. Were they also using it on their own company for B2B um, to, to solicit these companies? Or was it more of just adding value to the programs that they were doing? No, they had a big book of existing business and mm. their sales team already had a lot of customers. Um, the thing is, is that it, it's, from what I recall, it was very incestuous in terms of the direct mail pieces that all of the dealerships at that time were using. Mm. So it was like dealership number one would see what dealer number two was doing, <laughs> and then dealer number one would want to do what number two was doing. And so there was all of this stuff kind of flowing around. And mm -hmm. so to the degree that the company we partnered with was able to differentiate what they were offering their customer from all of the other stuff that looked the same, that's really... Uh, what they were able to, to do with it. And so they weren't really doing too much self-promotion, as we would call it now. Right. It was more just taking their existing customer relationships. And saying, uh, hey, we can help you. We can do this for you. It's different. Um, it it's costs more, yes, but it also provides a better return. Look at these real-time lead alerts. Look at this dashboard. Look at all this additional so data. Cool. Yeah, so that, that was really that was really how, how it kind of uh, rolled out. Yeah, and we, I know we've talked to listeners in the past episodes about how 40%, at minimum 40% of marketers are using at least three channels right yep. so most common are email direct mail and web and so uh, given the fact that marketers are using them um, the pearl the personalized URL coming back to our topic is the driver or the mechanism at which you connect those yep. so whether you are a b2b or a b2c marketing or marketer or you're a service provider you have the opportunity to get better response rates get more conversion I remember my questioner actually said for him it's not even about response rates it's about conversion and at the end of the day you want people to fill out the form you want people to uh, redeem the 
the coupon. You want people to do the test drive. And so you're giving your marketing a lift in response rates and conversion by using these personalized URLs. So I think this is a, a good segue to get back into how it actually works, the logistics okay. of it. Sure. Yeah, let's talk it uh, through step by step and kind of break it down. Perfect. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do ready, it. Ready, set. So <laughs> when you think about putting these campaigns together, the first thing that you should do or that you probably will find yourself doing is uh, doing what you should do with any campaign, really, and that's to try to figure out what are you trying to do? Mm -hmm. what's, your, what's your objective? What's the campaign's objective? And so you, you really got to start there. The reason I say that is some people think, and we have noticed that some pursue the I ideology of saying, well, that the pearl is the strategy in and of itself. A pearl is not a strategy. Yeah, pearl's crap without Yeah, I mean, it's like saying a 800 number is your strategy. Wait, what? Really? Yeah. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. It's just a way for someone to respond to you. So I'm not trying to diminish the value of the pearl. I'm just saying don't think of it as the strategy in you and of itself. You can't basically you're saying I if correct me if I'm wrong, but yep. you can't just slap a pearl in any direct mail piece and then hope it's going to get this huge lift in response rates. Hells you to the no. <laughs> you got to have some strategy behind it <laughs> yeah. and some place that you're going yeah. with that pearl. It's just yeah. a mechanism that you're using. It has to fit into the overall objective. So step number 1 would be to identify your objective and make the use of the personalized URL and everything else subordinate to that. Figure mm -hmm. out what it is you're trying to accomplish. Okay, And then once you figure that out, the second thing that we like to do that I always suggest folks do is map out your whole process and think about what you're going to do to move people through each step of the process, meaning that when the direct mail piece, if we're doing direct mail, if, if that direct mail piece arrives on their desk or in their mailbox at home, the first thing is you got to get them to notice that direct mail piece, yep. right? We're not even at the pearl yet. We're still at the, the, the envelope, the thing that it's in. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of customers that have very creative ways of getting people to notice direct mail. Mm -hmm. So you got to think about that first. They got to notice the direct mail. I recently just put brought in um, something that I was solicited with the other day in the mail, and it looked like a personalized letter to me. Mm -hmm. It was um, handwritten. Yeah, it was handwritten. It had my name. It was. Yep. I th I must. I thought it was like an invitation to a wedding or something. Yep. It looked so nice. Yeah. Um, even the the stamp was not one of those you know business stamp ones mm -hmm. it was an actual one that someone had stuck stuck i mean they could have used a machine but it was an actual stamp yep. um and i opened it and you know even when i opened it it was a card that looked personal and that got me to you know the second step to open not only did i open the the envelope and then i opened up the card and so it's it's interesting like dave says you have to have some sort of way to connect yep. right? right and so before you even get to that pearl you got to have someone you know a way to connect with people yeah That's so so get them to notice it and then once they've noticed it like you notice that that handwritten card mm -hmm. right or the handwritten envelope you got to get them to open that piece right so there's got to be enough um of something to get them to open that piece it's funny you mentioned that example mckenzie i don't think um that you you know this part of our history but the first outbound direct mail campaign that we did to printers mm -hmm. was a handwritten envelope. Mm -hmm. It wasn't uh, mechanized in the case that yours was. This, this was actually us sitting down writing the who, addresses who on the, the front. Handwriting? Certainly not me. <laughs> it was definitely someone else. Um, but we would address these by hand, and inside was a very simple direct mail piece. It looked like um, just a sheet of, it was basically a sheet of paper, and mm -hmm. it said, The future of marketing is here. And it had mckenziefarshi.futurekey.com, I mm. think was the domain, something mm. like that. 
Now, the way we got them to open the piece was we included a dimensional aspect to the mailer. So it was a key, an actual key. We went, we bought a bunch of keys like you do at Home Depot, you mm -hmm. know, and we got these little key rings that you put on it, just one of these little paper with a uh, metallic circle around it. You uh -huh. know what I'm talking yeah. about, right? And we wrote a number on that. We hand wrote a number. Huh. So inside the envelope, you could feel this key. And when you opened up the envelope, took out your paper, and you saw this very odd, personalized yet very odd note saying the future of marketing is here, go here. And you had to enter in the passcode off that key in order to get to the next step. Ooh, yeah. So it was, you know, one of these hackerish kind of growth hacker things that we did back then. I think we got our first 20 or 25 customers that way because cool. we sent them to print owners, uh, commercial print company owners, and they, they looked at it and they're like, okay, you got me. If yeah. you got me, I got to use this yeah, with my what customers. Is this? Yeah, this, awesome. this is cool. So step number one, get them to notice your direct mail piece. Two, get them to open it. And then three, think about once they open it, what are you going to do to drive them to the landing page? Yep. So you have to have some sort of call to action to get them to that next step, which would be to actually either pick up the phone and call your call center or call you or go to the landing page in the case of the Pearl. Yeah. And, you know, that, that brings up something that we talked about before, which is the attention span. People have such low attention spans that you've got to drive them to a landing page and mm -hmm. or, drive, you know, to do something. And in yep. order to do that, you can use this personalized URL and a personalization to get them to do that. So it, it sort of um, prompts them to or motivates them to actually go to their personalized URL. And so once they do that, by the way, you know, QR codes, you can use a QR code to have a Pearl too. So yep. I could scan a QR code and it can lead me sure. to a personalized Definitely. URL also. Yep. Um, just as a side note. And also, if you don't have an envelope, you can do the Pearl on a regular direct mail piece with no envelope yep. too. Sure. Uh, these are all different options. We're just going through you know examples here that we see a lot. Um, Let me say one thing though, yeah. Mackenzie. So you're, you're talking about driving people to the landing page. So mm -hmm. Just like I said a moment ago, just simply putting a pearl in the direct mail piece isn't going to magically get people to go to the landing page, right? right? So your copy, your creative, the list that you're sending it to, the offer that you're making, all of those things still matter, uh -huh. right? So you can't just throw it in there. Or one of the things that I see a lot is people just like put it in as an afterthought, right? They've got a shell. They've got something already printed. They're like, oh, crap, I don't have any space here. Where should I put this magical pearl? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they throw it in somewhere where it doesn't make sense, right? It's yeah. non sequitur for the, the rest of the copy. So That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, you really have to think about the fact that it's got to be woven within the whole framework of your campaign. Yep, you're sending out marketing collateral. Everything that you send or you email, it's 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 like a package. It's like a present. You know, it has look and feel. It has colors. It has messaging. It has texture. It has all these different things, and that entire present that entire package allows people to want to respond to or want to engage with you and the way that they engage is via that personalized URL so yep. in order to get them to actually do that like Dave's saying you have to have a complete present there you have to make it like something that people want to open people yeah. want to go there people want to engage with you because their attention spans short you yep. know and so yep. you know that's that's a great point that you bring up thanks for bringing so that up. yeah you're thinking about here in this process how do I get them from the direct mail piece to the landing page now they're at the landing page how do you get them to move to the next step? Typically, there is some sort of data capture form on that landing page or microsite, something that allows you to collect additional information from mm -hmm. them, right? So you have to think about, okay, how am I going to get them to do that? Um, how much data do I need to capture from them? What are the things that are absolutely essential? What are the things that I don't really need I can get later? And then once you've captured that information, then what is your lead follow-up process? I can't tell you how many times People create these campaigns, generate leads. And people don't follow up? Yeah. That makes me really sad. It's sad, right? Bring <laughs> Honestly, it makes brings me, it that really makes me sad. It's, it's just a waste of time and money. But yeah. yet it happens all the time. You know, to be completely honest, I this 
this frustrates me too. If you go onto a company website and you want support, mm -hmm. I'm not going to mention the name of the company, but it's a huge company that we all, that many people, millions of people use. It's a shoe company or something? No, it's not a shoe company. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a software that I use and I really love. Okay. Um, but I was having some problems and in order to get to their support, you fill out a contact me form yeah. and I did it multiple times and a week later someone reaches out, it looks like you've recently been on our website. Right. How can I help right. you? What do you mean? I gave my information. I wrote an entire freaking paragraph yeah. about exactly right. what my issue was. I even included three screenshots. Like I spent a lot of time to give a week later, you know. Let's hey. send this uh, <laughs> episode to Mark Benioff and see if he can fix that for you. <laughs> no, but I was, you know, I was just, you know, it's companies that you are, you're, you can also use it basically for support cases. There's many use cases is the example that I'm trying to say. Yeah, you know, the point sure. I'm trying to make is that, yes, it can be to, you know, do some outbound marketing, but it also can be to communicate with your customers or give an avenue for your customers to communicate with sure, you. Sure, sure. So, so let's say we've mapped this process out mm -hmm. now. We have our objectives. We, we know how to drive people through the process, or we have at least a theory around how we're going to do that because mm -hmm. obviously you got to test this stuff. Um, then the next step in the process is getting getting your list together, getting your data together, and creating the personalized URL. Okay, so tell me more about that. Yeah, so so basically, most often a Perl is a concatenation, or basically putting two fields together, mm -hmm. concatenation of the first name and the last name. Okay. So David Rosendahl dot whatever, Bill Gates dot whatever, Mackenzie Farshi dot whatever dot com, right? So you either need your marketing automation software to do that for you, or you, you can create that yourself. You know, if you have a, something like Excel even can do it for you. You can mm -hmm. con concatenate fields easily. And once you've done that, you need to put your landing page at a domain. So okay. it needs to be like uh, BillGates.Nike.com as an example. Well, Nike's not a good example. It should be something like MyNike.com, right? Uh -huh. It's a domain that's either reminiscent of the brand name itself or it's tied to the campaign theme in some way. Um, so that it has, um, you know, congruence with the rest of the campaign and with the brand. So you've concatenated, you have their first name, last name, if you put the domain, you now have your Dave Rosenthal dot mindfire, or excuse me, mynike.com. Yep. And you have that. What do you do next? What's next in the process? Yeah. So the next thing you need to think about is building that landing page. So okay. you're going to, you're going to connect that domain to the landing page that you're putting together. Now we could do a whole episode on just the landing page itself. Right. But a couple of things to know that landing page needs to have uh, some sort of uh, tie back to the mail piece, meaning the creative, the message, the copy, mm. right? It needs to look like you're at the right place. Oh, one that's of, a good point. Yeah, one of the mistakes we see people make a lot is the direct mail piece looks a certain way. You type in the pearl and the landing page looks completely different. Yeah, and what is this? Wait. Where did I go? Yeah, why am I even here? Yeah. What was am I looking I at, at? Am I at the right place? So yeah, you need to make sure you have good ad scent, meaning that the smell between those two things is similar, right? That that you know as the respondent that you're in the right place. So you've built your landing page. Um, again, like I said, a lot of details go into building the landing page. But as you're doing that, you want to start to think about how you're going to configure what we call triggers. Okay. So w what are triggers? So triggers is basically a trigger, some sort of call to action based on people's behavior, based on people's interaction, or like we mentioned before, non-interaction with your campaign. Yep. And so for example, if someone goes to your landing page but they don't hit submit, maybe you send an email to the salespeople, or let's say someone goes and they sign up for the $1,000 you know, winning test drive and they hit submit, well you want them to know 
that, oh, hey, we got your submission. So maybe there's triggered automated emails saying, thanks, Dave, we got your submission for your entering to win $1,000. We'll contact you to set up your test drive. At that same moment, simultaneously as that thank you email goes out to you, Dave, an email or a text or some sort of um, reminder goes out to the salesperson yes. saying, Dave submitted the form. Right. He wants a test drive. Tuesday at 10 and that right. person picks up the phone. So you can right. use triggers to actually um, follow up or close the loop with the respondent, but also to the salespeople or the call center or things like that. Yeah. So as you're mapping all of this out, you want to look at your microsite and your whole process and decide like those trigger points that you're talking about, mm -hmm. right? So where do I need to know what and um, how quickly does that information need to go out? So like you talked about these no action or no activity triggers. Mm -hmm. So just to put a little bit more uh, clarity on that, it's like if somebody visits your landing page but doesn't hit submit on that first page within let's say 10 minutes, you, you can configure that. Mm -hmm. If they don't do that, then you think most likely they have fallen asleep or they've gone away or something something interrupted them, Talking right? Talking so abandonment? Kind of like that, yeah, exactly. So you can use that time frame of 10 minutes and say, okay, if they don't do the thing I want them to do within 10 minutes, then send this email. So or, you can time the triggers. Yeah, or then make this uh, this phone call from the call center. Yeah, and something that you just reminded me of, let's say you are a BMW and you're sending out a campaign for free test drives. Maybe you're new to the area and you don't have people's email addresses. So if you do send a direct mail piece and then it brings them to a landing page, well, you want to send them a thank you email, but you didn't have that email. But on that landing page, like Dave said, you can collect their email address, which is automatically going to um, populate their fields so that when they hit submit, that triggered email can go right out to them. So you don't need to go back and configure anything. Um, you can use the email field that, let's say you collect their email address on the landing page to automatically you know, leverage that variable data that you've now collected and to send out that. So you can also yep. use that to gather email addresses and yep. things like that, which is really important. So one of the things that you'll realize as these campaigns unfold is that often, if you're doing this for the first time, or even, heck, if, if you've done it a thousand times, one of the things that you come to realize is that you're able to see activity on your direct mail in real time or near real time, right? Because typically when you send out a direct mail piece, you don't necessarily know what's going on on the other end. It's not like sending Spray an email. Spray and pray, you're hoping for the best. Yeah, you don't really know what's going on, but with, with personalized URLs, now you can tell, okay, mail has hit home in this area. Okay, people are starting to go to their landing page. People are starting to type in their Pearl and so on. So it gives you data and information that you would not otherwise have. Okay, so that's at a high level the process. Those are the steps that you kind of want to think about as you're breaking apart a Pearl campaign or a campaign that includes a Pearl in it. And so since we've done this for a long time, um, you know, we've come up with a couple of questions, a couple of common questions mm -hmm. that folks ask us. And I thought it would be helpful if we step through those and kind of give some answers for people to think about, um, you know, how they might be able to address these in their own business. Right. And by the way, after we do this, listeners, if you do have any other questions that you're like, oh, I don't get it, or this part was confusing, or I've done this, but this happened, please feel free to comment on our blog because we would love to um, interact with you and answer those questions. So if you didn't know, for every episode that we have we have a blog post that has some notes it has resources uh, you can find it on our website mindfiring.com you hit resources and go to blog and then you'll see all the podcast episodes and then we answer questions there just so you know so common question number one what if people say i got a pearl or i put a pearl on something and nothing happened is that something that we typically hear or have oh heard? my gosh so you're saying i put a pearl on it nothing happened at yeah. all yeah so the the closest um analogy that I would have in response to that is like saying, hey, I put a phone number on something and nobody called 
that phone number, right? And typically when people say that, they're blaming the Pearl. They're saying like, the Pearl didn't work, right? Mm -hmm. And it, so it would be saying like, AT&T didn't work or PacBell didn't work, right? Well, it's not the phone's problem. You know, it's, it's the fact that whoever you sent that message to or whatever it was you said to them, the targeting or the, the mail piece itself, something's off there, right? Mm -hmm. There wasn't enough motivation for them to... I cold I, called, I left a message, and no one responded, and now we're going to call AT&T because we're pissed. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> another, another example, yeah. <laughs> so, so basically something is off there that didn't motivate that person to respond either through the phone or to the personalized URL. Mm -hmm. So we hear that a lot, but if, if you hear that from your customer or, heck, if you're saying that to yourself, you really, in my opinion, you should re-examine your thinking and try to understand, uh, kind of given that framework we just stepped through, where in the process might you have gone wrong because it's not the fault of the pearl. Right. And think about all the marketing collateral you've been sent. Did you respond to everything? You know, if you did, then you, that's awesome. But most, most likely, we all didn't respond to all the marketing collateral or the emails that we've been sent. Think about the ones that you did respond to. Why did you respond to them? Did it have an offer that was specific to you? Did it say your name? You know, start to notice how marketing collateral is influencing you and your personal life and your choices and see the difference. You know, it's not necessarily the personalized URL or the, you know, it, it's all the other things that, yeah. that surround it. Oh, one thing I would say, though, if you hear that from your customer, if you're a service provider that's listening to us right now, let's imagine you're in, in that person's shoes. If you hear that from your customer, it's possible you may have sold this campaign as predicated upon the pearl, the pearl being the strategy, mm -hmm. right? It's They're saying the strategy d isn't working, the pearl's not working. And again, as we talked about at the beginning of the episode, that's really not the right way to frame it, at least in my, in our opinion, mm -hmm. right? So if you're hearing that from your customer, maybe you sold it in the wrong way, if, yeah. if I could be so bold. Um, if you're on the marketer side and you're thinking, shoot, I put pearls on my direct mail months ago or years ago, whenever it was, and it didn't work. Well, again, I would um, challenge you to examine your thinking and see if you can identify where it may have gone wrong. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Another thing that we commonly hear is would a pearl work in blank industry or oh, use case? So, geez, yeah. Hey, Dave, does a pearl work for a pizza shop? You know, we hear that. Or does <laughs> yeah. a pearl work for, uh, you know, whatever it is? We mm -hmm. hear that all the time. Mm -hmm. um, I'll give my response first, and then you can, you can give us your thoughts, Mackenzie. So wh what I would say is that Again, it's like saying, does a phone work in such and such use case, right? I mean, if a phone would work, if somebody would pick up the phone and call you or send in a BRC, then yes, most likely it'll work. Now, with that said, there are additional expenses that you incur as the marketer um, or the service provider if you're creating a campaign for your customer that require the, the thing that people are ultimately buying or the purchase that they're making to be of um, a certain dollar amount. In other words, I, I gave the example of a pizza shop. If you're selling $5, $10 pizzas, right, and your direct mail piece is costing $5 as an example to send out, this the economics of it may not work. Mm -hmm. So from an economic perspective, from a financial ROI perspective, you may analyze the situation and find that it doesn't work from that perspective. Right. But to say that it wouldn't work from a response perspective and, and from that angle is probably, um, so there's probably something wrong in your thinking mm -hmm. if you've arrived at that conclusion. But I'm always, I'm, I'm open to, to being wrong there. But I would say that it's probably not because of the pearl itself. Yeah, let's there's not blame the pearl. Let's all stop blaming the pearl. <laughs> there's something because of the, the economics of the situation. So if you're selling software, if it's enterprise software, it's $5,000 or 10000 or 100000 or a $1 million software, definitely you can make it work. 
Um, I would say in most cases, it, these are things that are in the mid, um, you know, somewhere in like four or $5,000 uh, type items. You shouldn't have a problem with it, with the cost dynamics. Yeah. Also along with that, along with the cost dynamics is what you're going to get if you get one customer. So maybe it's for, you know, even though there's a lot of lower ticket items that use pearls, but it's that the um, customer that they're gaining is going to be ongoing. Yeah, the so lifetime value is high. E yep. Thank you, exactly. Yep. So the lifetime value is high. So maybe the thing that I'm buying is only $60, but it's something that I'm going to buy on a continuous basis or from word of mouth, you know that if one person wears it, you know, buys a $60 shoe or whatever it is, then usually they always refer their friends. And so you have to look at the cost, but also the lifetime value of that customer and what that means to you. So just if we go back to the three industries that we gave examples in, right? Higher ed, so you know you have a high lifetime value there depending on the, the university or the school that we're talking about. Um, automotive, so cars cost what? I mean, something like 10,000 and up, I would mm -hmm, assume, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm showing yeah. my ignorance here, but yeah, I mean, I think you can get a car for $10,000, right? So. Yeah, <laughs> I think you can. I'm not a big car person. Yeah, um, financial services, obviously Huge. we're talking about a mortgage, right? The lifetime value of that mortgage um, and, and the margins that are there. Um, are quite large. So, so yeah, in those situations, this, this works really well. Yep. And the last one, let's just say, let's just pick one more is people hit the landing page, but they didn't convert to leads. Okay. So they typed in their Pearl and they went to the first page, but they didn't go any further. Yep. Well, first of all, kudos to you. You've used a Pearl and you know that the person did that. Yeah. Because if you weren't using a Pearl, you wouldn't even know that they went no to the idea. landing page. So yep. you're, you're already three steps ahead of, you know, a lot of campaigns of people. Yep. Um, but yeah, so people went to their Pearl and they didn't convert. Okay. There are so many other things that you can do to help these people or facilitate or motivate these people to convert. So one thing that Dave mentioned is doing a triggered email. So maybe they filled up their shopping cart and for 20 minutes or 10 minutes later, nothing happened. You sent them an automated trigger response. So you can use triggered emails, even triggered phone calls, things that you can do to follow up with them. Um, what else can you do going back to some of our previous episodes? Well, what I would do is I would look at, um, I would look at a couple of things. One is I would look at, like I said, the the relationship or the the way the direct mail piece looks and feels to the landing page, okay. right? Um, th that would be one area that I would look at. The other thing I would look at is also using retargeting. Okay. Um, so, so that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So I would <laughs> I, I would first try to solve the problem though of why people aren't converting because I would be fearful that there might be something there that would also impact the uh, retargeting campaigns. Mm -hmm. But if you're not getting, um, you know what, I would I would say that you should always have your retargeting pixel. We talked about this in earlier episodes. Yep. You should always have your retargeting pixel in on that landing page because now you can connect your print piece to uh, things like Facebook and other channels where you can go out and retarget folks there in, in, in addition to just uh, sending them a message through email. So, you know, if, if people are hitting your landing page, but they're not converting to leads, I would take a close look at the direct mail piece and the landing page and the call to action that you have on that landing page to see what's going on. We also talked about in an earlier episode, we'll find the, the episode number, we talked about things like Hotjar, mm -hmm. right? Ooh, I love Hotjar. Yeah, so you can record what people are doing on that landing page. So you, unfortunately, you can't see them interacting with your direct mail piece, at least not yet. Technology not yet. Is, is coming. But <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. but once they get to the landing page, you can record that. You can see their mouse movements. You can see what they're doing. You might be able to identify the area that's getting them hung up. Awesome, Dave. So we just gave a you know ton of information about personalized URLs, yep. about pearls, about landing pages. Let's just put ourselves in our listeners' shoes. So okay. if you are, you know, number one, if you are a marketer, B2B or B2C, mm -hmm. or if you're a service provider, what is something that you would ask them right now? Or what should they be thinking about mm. as they leave this episode? That's a really good question. 
Well, let's start with the service provider first. So okay. guys and girls, if, if you're creating direct marketing campaigns for your customers, direct response campaigns where you have an opportunity to generate leads or influence sales, um, look at the different customers that you have and look for those that have a, a high lifetime value, as we talked about, because the, the dynamics of the model will get more and more attractive the larger the lifetime value of that customer is. Uh, and I'm talking specifically about your customer's business. Look, look at what, they're, what it is that they're selling, what it is that they're offering. And so I would challenge you, if you're a service provider, to look at where are you leaving opportunities on the table? Where could you be involving a personalized URL to do all of these things that we talked about and uh, getting more for your customers out of what you're already doing for them? So that's on one side. For the corporate marketer, you know, like you said at the very beginning of today's episode, McKinsey, I mean, we have multi-billion dollar companies that are coming to us saying, hey, uh, we know that there's things like a Pearl or something, right? Mm -hmm. Could we be using that? Should we yep. be using that? Yep. Uh, and again, I, I guess that goes back to the service provider too. You know, your customers may be looking for this stuff. They may not even know in some cases yep. about this stuff, God yep. forbid, right? But uh, if, you're an, if you're a marketer and you're thinking about how you can generate more leads and, and increase your sales and work on your sales funnel um, in, in conjunction with your direct mail, then I think this would be an opportunity for you. Look at what we've talked about here today and see if you can find ways or identify ways where simply tying a direct mail piece to the web using the personalized URL adds value. One simple example is, um, does it make it easier for people in your funnel to move to the next step, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you have use cases where using the personalized URL would do that, and the lifetime value of whatever it is that you're selling or offering supports um, you know, a slight incremental uh, cost increase, then we would really suggest that you look at this. There's a lot of opportunity there. Listeners, you know, as you think about this, if you do, like I said, have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us. We'd love to answer them. Um, also, we do do weekly contests on our blog. So if you go there, or also if you leave a review on iTunes or on Stitcher um, for Android, then we uh, do weekly drawings and we give out some pretty cool prizes. So make sure New to- New cars and stuff <laughs> like that? One Not day, yet. one day. <laughs> hey, we both said that at the same time, so yeah. maybe maybe one day. Um, but yeah, interact with us, ask us questions, go back to the uh, previous episodes. You can always reach out to the people that are there too. I guess this would segue. Who do we have next week, Dave? Well, we're going to bring on a guest who's created a lot of campaigns using personalized URLs. I, I think a lot print. is an understatement. Yeah, quite, quite a number. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he's really done quite a bit, and we'll we'll bring his story to you next week. We'll get him to uh, talk to you about how he's done that. And uh, actually, in line with that, we had a guest a few episodes back, Mike Robinson, right? Mm -hmm. And so here's a guy who has used personalized URLs for probably about 10 years mm -hmm. and who has generated somewhere on the order of about half a billion dollars in revenue for his customers using personalized URLs. And growing. And, and, and continuing to grow, yeah. So if you want to find out more uh, before our next guest, go check out the episode with Mike Robinson. We'll link that up in the show notes for people so they can easily get there. Yeah. Um, and, and you'll get to hear directly from somebody who's been doing this uh, for his customers uh, for many, many years now. But we're excited to bring you um, another example like that next week and, and get into the details. Yep, stay tuned. We look forward to talking to you next week. All right, guys, have a great rest of the day. Bye. Bye-bye.